On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. I'm not sure what the f*** this is. I'm about to find out. This is Tall Can Audio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. My name is Matt Robinson. I hope you will subscribe wherever you're listening right now. And uh, if you're into such things, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. It is an off day for the Toronto Blue Jays, but it's never an off day around here. We wanted to talk a little baseball, thought we would circle back around and check in with our buddy Andrew Stoughton. How are you doing today, man? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, Really glad that you decided to to come back around and uh, and you've done this before, so you know where we like to start. What are you sipping on today while we chat? Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm sipping on a little White Claw. Okay. (laughs) Because, uh, you know what? Tastes pretty good. Yeah. No, I'm hearing good uh, things, man. Yeah. I, I don't feel I don't feel great about it, but, uh, <laughs> but but that's what I'm doing. This is uh, that's one of the seltzers, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've never it tried one. Uh, I've had a couple different. Um, we had a guy on uh, Justin Howell plays for the Red Blacks up here in Ottawa, and he's involved, you know, with the uh, the the uh, the CFL guys. Most of them not making that uh, the same kind of money that the uh, the NFL guys or the MLB guys are. So they with uh, with being off for almost two years, most of them had moved mm-hmm. on, had to get some jo- uh, different jobs, gigs to pay the bills and stuff. And he'd ended up becoming involved with the uh, the sales team for another seltzer called Bangarang, um, which I had never had before. But uh, he hooked us up with some of that when he was on the show not too long ago. So if you're into that, uh, I would recommend the uh, the Pink Lemonade is a very nice seltzer there by Bangarang. Good to know. Good to know. And I, I am indeed. Okay. So I am rolling with uh, something here from the Stalwart Brewing Company out of Carlton Place. This is called the Canned Heat. Uh, it's an American pale ale, about 5%. It says it's uh, jam-packed with tropical flavors and citrus aromas uh, while light in body and bitterness. So we'll see what that's all about. Uh, I think this is the first time I've tried this one. So. I well, see what they're I'm going cra- for. I'm going to crack one while you're doing Oh, that sorry, man. I, I just, uh, yeah. I, I normally don't have to invite people to actually crack or open, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, this is pretty nice, man. I've never had this one before, but it, I see what they're going for. It is a little tropical for a, for a pale ale, but this time of year, it's getting a little, although pretty ominous storm clouds rolling through Ottawa right now as we sit and record this, but uh, on a nicer summer day, this would, uh, this would hit the spot quite beautifully. Interesting. I'm in Peterborough and I got to tell you gorgeous is it really okay 
No, we've had the vast, uh, the vast geographic difference there. I'm not sure what's happened. <laughs> We're down in the valley, I guess. Here, this is a. They've been saying all day severe thunderstorm. Uh, watches and warnings rolling in and it hasn't been too bad yet, but, uh, we're supposedly, uh, supposed to get it pretty bad. Uh, we got lots of stuff that I want to ask you about here about the Blue Jays itself, but the last time you were on, you were just sort of getting up and running, uh, with your new sub stack and, and the batflip.ca. Tell us a little bit about how it's gone this far. We're a couple months into the season now, how the reaction's been and how you've enjoyed kind of that, that new project. How have things been over there? It's been great. Yeah, I I, uh, I am podcasting now, and me and uh, Nick Ashburn, who uh, Nick Ashborn, don't, <laughs> don't want to get Nick mad at me, uh, who you'll see his work uh, at Yahoo and uh, at Sportsnet uh, are doing a podcast called Blue Jays Happy Hour every Friday, uh, which has been fun and a good addition to you know all the things that I'm doing, and uh, you know it, it's it's been great. It's been. Uh, all the advantages of not having bosses, which I think is a thing we talked about the last mm-hmm. time, but also, uh, which again, as I said last time, nothing against anybody I've ever worked for, uh, <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's just nicer this way. Sure. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, I wish the blue Jays had uh, not been miserable to write about these last few <laughs> weeks, but other than like, like that's really the only uh, negative I can say at this point. Uh, yeah. The reaction has been great. The support's been great. Uh, always can be better. I'm happy to to, to take people's money, but uh, trying to keep all the content free and and, and really enjoying uh, doing my thing in this new space. Uh, I've really enjoyed it thus far, and I think we talked last time about um, the kind of cycle that the internet has gone through. Where you know, for a long time, early on in the internet, it was nice. Everybody had you know newsletters that would roll into your email, and you sort of got <laughs> yeah. sick of it, and you had this this trail that. I'll go to this blog and this website and you kind of had this path every day that, you know, if I was into this or that, I'd, I'd hit up these websites and then Twitter kind of rendered that, you know, if, it, if a link doesn't roll across my, my timeline, I probably don't check it out anymore. So I've almost enjoyed this renaissance of have, having it show up right in my inbox again and, and it re-simplify my, uh, my internet searching. It's been pretty cool, man. And I've enjoyed the work you've been putting out and, and I've checked out the pod a couple of times. It's really cool. Well, awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I want to ask you about the bullpen. I want to ask you about Springer. I want to ask you about Vladdy. We got some stuff we could touch on here and and we will, but just to start, if I had said to you before game one against the Yankees, when the season is kicking off that after 70 games, the blue Jays would be fourth in the division with a 35 and 35 record. Would that have been alarming to you would that have gone you know maybe that's about right like what would your reaction have been at that point uh that would be that would have been on the sort of the low end of the error bars right like i don't think that that was impossible uh you know obviously some context you know if they if you told me they did that without george springer Mm -hmm. uh that would have been you know more impressive i guess or more reasonable uh but yeah i I, you know it's a team that is young and is it's it's got a lot of really good pieces, but it's obviously not quite a championship team. And that means there's volatility and we'll, you know, you, you'll see where it goes. So I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't have been totally dismayed by that, that, you know, they hadn't, they wouldn't have put themselves out of the, the race. Right. Uh, if you had told me that <laughs> at that point, but, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think they're, they are capable of better and that would be disappointing in that sense. Uh, and you know, like you said, without Springer, um, but there's been a pile of injuries around the bullpen as well that, frankly, I'm not sure any team is really built to to sustain. Um, you know, is this record, you know, now having that context and being able to look at it in hindsight, is this, with everything they've gone through, 
a reasonable place to be or do, or do you still feel like man there's some things there that could have been done a little bit better they should be a little bit better off than they are right now kind of what's your sense after everything we've seen um i mean i think that you definitely like look at the injuries in the bullpen and sure it's fluky but then you you have to also think like okay is there is there something in the process where they're missing that that they're picking up guys who might get injured like kirby yates was like obviously one right. where you know you knew you were taking a big risk there um but you, the, the, a lot of the bullpen was built around guys like, you know, Jordan Romano has been mostly fine, but he's had injury mm-hmm. issues in the past. Julian Merriweather has, Ryan Barucki has, Yates, you know, you go down the list. I mean, they're pitchers, so pretty much every yeah. pitcher has <laughs> injury problems. And especially once you end up in the bullpen, that's sort of how that happens. Right. Uh, but I, I think, you know, I, I think that they would be, they'd be wrong to not think about the process that led them to this collection and wonder if, you know, if there's something that they missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I think it's, uh, uh, I, a lot of it I think comes down to obviously the bullpen blowing up is one thing. One major factor is like they are below 500 at home, which is like home in quotes, right? Uh, which, you know, I think that when, when the season comes to an end, we may look back at that as being a bigger factor than we kind of feel like it is mm-hmm. right now, because those, those games where they are, you know, getting booed at home, <laughs> you know, Charlie Montoyo coming out against the Yankees and being like that, like are trying to argue with the umpires, not trying very hard. Right. People would, would point out, uh, but you know, and, and getting booed for it at his, at, at their home park, theoretically. And Dunedin was not a lot better. And no. that, that's sort of, I'm a little worried about that even because Dunedin kind of started off well. And then by the end, it was really wearing on guys and they're playing in minor league parks. You know, obviously they're playing on the same field as their opponents, but, uh, I don't think you know. I don't think they will use it as an excuse. They always talk very positively about everything, but mm-hmm. they all. But in particular, this they were, they'll be like, you know, it shows our resiliency, and this is a thing that we can bond as a team over this this obstacle that no one else has to overcome that they have to overcome. Uh, but yeah, it's it's tough. It's not that's that's not great. But uh, you know that can't be that can't be dealt with. You know, there's nothing no. they can do about that right now. And and. Yeah, the bullpen right now is just really what's killing them. But I think that there's, I think that there's a, a run in them still, especially once you see Springer back, especially once you see hopefully some help on the relief front. Uh, the rotation feels like it's better, and that was the mess for them for a month at least. Yeah, a bit of a pleasant uh, surprise there. Yeah, it really has. I mean, I mean, uh, Ross Stripling, I think, is Manoa is here, and he's you know he's pitching like a rookie. Yeah. Uh, a little bit, and everybody was really excited, myself included, at the start, and what he was doing in AAA. And I think he belongs in the big leagues, but you know that's what that's what rookie pitchers look like. But Stripling <laughs> turning into something that uh, that he's been what, over the last few weeks has been uh, has been a really interesting turn. Well, we poked at a little bit the last time you were on Pete Walker, right? The the pitcher whisperer mm-hmm. or whatever, and. Who knows, man? Maybe there's another guy that suddenly he's turned into a capable, useful piece of a rotation, and um, I'm not sure. You brought up an interesting thing before we move off it. There, the 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 fact that they're playing their home games in Buffalo. They had been playing their home games in Dunedin. We are starting to here in Ontario see the case numbers get lower and lower. I know the Delta variant thing has become a concern um, in other parts of the world that had it under control, and now it's kind of slipping a little bit. Uh, but we also saw. Uh, Atkins over the weekend say that he still believes there's a chance they'll get home. And I'm not sure I didn't catch the framing of the question, so I don't want to take him out of context, but he said the end of July would be awesome. Whether he threw that out there or 
he was asked for a timeline I, I didn't quite catch. I wonder, though, if people are thinking enough about that, yeah, technically you could come in, you could do what the NHL is doing and, and bubble a little bit um, as, as teams just kind of come in for, for, for two games, for a series, whatever it might be, and then roll back out. The thing that people aren't talking much about is right now, these teams, as they play in Buffalo and, and even just as the Blue Jays, they have pretty much total freedom once the team hits 85% vaccination. And that won't be the case up here. And I wonder, you know, it's it's one thing to come in and, and bubble or whatever, but are the Blue Jays prepared to move into, you know, we saw all kinds of talk last year when they were talking about how this might work, that they could move into the Sky Dome Hotel and what this would mean for your families if you come north of the border and you could play home games, but it would be under much more strict conditions than what they're dealing with right now south of the border. And so while the Ontario government might be prepared to let you do this, I wonder how interested the PA would be. I, I think that's a huge question. Yeah, absolutely. Like those teams, and even the Blue Jays players themselves. Yeah. I mean, if they're not able to bring their families over, if they're not able to you know, go back and forth with, you know, minimal restrictions like that's, that's going to be an issue for them. It's going to be an issue for the team if they can't have fans in obviously, but like, but even if we remove that from the equation, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, like the, these guys on every other team are flying around from city to city, basically like normal yeah, uh, or close to it with a few extra protocols, depending on where they are in the vaccination, whatever, and which, you know, which part of the, the United States they're in. And yeah, I think that is a PA issue. I think the, the the union would look at that and be like, you know, you can't, you know, that's not something guys are going to want to do. I don't think that's. Yeah. Are you open or not? Right. Like, you know. yeah. So, so I think you're right. Like it's, it's one thing, uh, you know, I know, I know the NHL is doing it, but it is, uh, uh, yeah, it's one thing I, yeah. to come in for like two day, two games, stay in your hotel, and then you go back to wherever. If you're Vegas, who's coming in right now, or whatever it might be, it's quite another for the the Blue Jays themselves. Or you know, if you're how many times are you going to be coming back in and being subject to this? You know, if you play these AL East time uh, teams a bunch of times, I, I'm not sure this will be. Uh, I have a feeling we will get to a point before the season's over where the government has said yes, but that won't necessarily be the determining factor. Yeah, I I, th- I think that's very possible. I, I still think uh, you know Atkins. I I listened to the the, the uh, Zoom session that he had with reporters. I he brought it up himself. I'm okay. quite confident that he brought up July himself. Hmm. And uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I think there's lots of reasons to be optimistic. I, but I also think that yeah, the the fans are another big factor. Yeah, like do the Blue Jays want to? You know, they want to be here, obviously. But do they do they want to cut off that revenue stream where they're gouging everybody in Buffalo apparently, <laughs> uh, and and, uh, uh, and come here and play to nobody and and all the protocols and whatever that might entail? Yep. Right? I mean, we're just we're, that's just where we're at. I, I don't know if they will want to do that, but uh, you know, I think they'll come if, if fans can come and it's not going to be as an issue with other teams. Then it's going to happen. It's going to be amazing. But yep. it's it's still very much up in the air. Um, but it will it will be it will be an amazing day whether it's this year or next. Yeah, opening day next year maybe or whatever it looks like. Yeah. Well, let's let's go with this year. All right, yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> off. I'm I'm naturally pessimistic. That's kind of in my uh, my nature a little bit. But uh, I would love to see it. I'm with you though. I wonder what the benefit is of of getting into an empty sky dome versus, um, you know, right now if you wanted to or as the season rolls on, I, I think it's July 5th. Fully vaccinated Canadians can cross the border uh, without um, 
you know, the, the 14 day quarantine or the hotels and, and this and that, you know, maybe you're better off to let the good people of St. Catharines and Niagara and whatever go and support the team in Buffalo. Um, as opposed to just having them in an empty sky dome. I'm, I'm not really sure what the better look there is. Yeah. But also, I mean, why can't fully vaxxed people yeah, well. <laughs> go sit in the sky dome too? I, I mean, that should be that, that we're not there yet. We don't, that isn't a question. Right. Yet. But, but all these questions are, we are getting there are very much closer than they were when we talked the last it's time. True. Sure. Um, let's talk a little about George Springer. I believe it was on Sunday that Montoyo said that, you know, he's close to returning and when he does, they are leaning towards maybe starting him a little lower in the lineup than, than, you know, he, it, you would have drawn it up at the beginning of the season, uh, where he's always, or at least for the last four or five years, traditionally been a, a leadoff man. I, to me, that's only smart, but I am seeing some, some blowback online. Um, I, which you see on basically any topic, I guess. <laughs> yes, you do. So, um, oh my God. <laughs> but when, when you, you look at like a typical spring training, these guys have weeks to kind of get ready. Um, he's been running around half injured and then taking um, sprint sessions here and there. And he had the hip or the, the thigh thing. And they had the, um, whatever the first one was, the oblique, I guess. And then like four or five games down in the minors. And I guess they're pretty much ready to call him up. If that's the case, to me, it makes a, it, it makes good sense to drop him in a little lower in the lineup, doesn't it? Or, or do you want him to be comfortable right away and, and do what he always does? Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting question, but I, but yeah, I, I think it doesn't matter a lot, to be honest with you. Like, I, I think it would be perfectly fine to drop him lower. Um, you know, uh, Marcus Semyon's had a, you know, had a couple home runs the other day. He hasn't mm-hmm. had the greatest June especially, I mean, nobody's had a, it's hard to have a month that's as good as his May. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but, you know, there, there are ways that they can, can adjust the lineup. And I think that, you know, you, you bring him in lower early on. I don't think, I don't think it's going to like make anything disappear. I think that this is a thing that I, I see people sometimes like, oh, you know, Vlad hitting third and you talk about like, well, what do you do to sw- switch things around? Like, could some people have heard say, you know, uh, maybe move Vlad up to the two hole and people will be like, oh, but he's doing so well hitting third. And I just don't think that there's anything all that magical about like what spot in the order right. you hit in. I think that there, a lot of it, it probably has more to do with, and this is things that, something that Vlad's said himself, like he or, or Teoscar said about like hitting behind Vlad or vice versa uh, because they're pitched too similarly. And that stuff I think can matter, mm-hmm. but like the actual number on the slot that you're in, I don't know. Yeah, it really only matters the first unless, time. Unless through. it really, unless it's really something that me, is meaningful to Springer, uh, in which case, you know, fine, go hit first. Like it's it, it's going to be a good lineup, you know, for the first six or seven hitters, no matter how you you move it about, right? So sure. I, that doesn't bother me too much. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it is a good problem to have, I suppose, is what they would say. Is like it was amazing to me over the last. Well, I guess it was kind of the the late part of last week or whatever it was, how, you know, they've gotten by obviously without Springer and, and still hit pretty well for the most part. But, you know, once T. Oscar was on paternity leave and, and Guriel had his thing, that lineup, that vaunted Blue Jays lineup got really short, really fast after those first three guys. <laughs> Yeah, when Critchick's like cleaning up, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, you know, there's not going to be a lot after that, right? Uh, but that's but that's true of any team that loses, sure. you know, three of their best hitters or whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's you know, I, I think a lot has been placed on the offense because of uh, how well it's gone so far, and and obviously that that is a a strong component of the team, but it's not you know, it's not a 
it's not a 2015 Blue Jays offense. At no. Least, at least not yet. Not that we've seen yet. Right. Um, what in your mind, let, let's, let's get into this, this bullpen thing. I, I think, <laughs> I think there is a little bit of, you know, when you have this many injuries, um, it's going to be ugly, but you brought up an interesting point earlier that, you know, maybe that, that is partially on management in terms of how this was constructed and the guys that you, you brought in. I've, I've had a hard time. Um, I guess in the past I've been fairly critical or, or of, of Montoyo and how he's deployed the bullpen at times, but recently I, I don't know what Cy Young candidate is sitting behind the dumpster fire that apparently <laughs> Twitter sees that I don't or that Montoyo doesn't, right? Like I'm not sure where he's supposed to go for a sure out. Like what do you make of this whole thing? Is it is it just as simple as too many guys getting hurt at once or – you know, are there guys that you would have expected more out of who just aren't delivering? Uh, it's more, I mean, Tyler Chatwood, I thought, well, he was obviously a guy who uh, is sort of new to the role and, and uh, has had command problems in the past mm-hmm. and sort of you, you saw what he was in spring and that maybe helped the Blue Jays not make some more drastic decisions, you know, late in spring or like try to try to find somebody desperately. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I think it's just the injuries and the, the Charlie stuff is – I obviously, you know, the manager's a lightning rod, and obviously everybody gets mad when when, <laughs> when you make one decision and it's wrong, and you kind of think that it's wrong, and, and you know, sure. But for me, a lot of the times, it's like if it's not a coin flip, it's like forty five percent to fifty five percent, and he ends up on the wrong side <laughs> of of those a bunch. It's like that's you know that that's not really that big a problem. Like that's you know you're you're playing minesweeper and it's just, you've got, you're down to the last few squares. Like you're just, you're going to hit a landmine right? because the bullpen is full of landmines <laughs> right now. It's just, that's, I don't think, you know, if he had some special skill of knowing which guy was going to have it that day, uh, he would be probably playing or managing a team that pays their managers a lot more than the Blue Jays do. Right. right. I, I, you know, I think there's lots of things to criticize and nitpick Charlie about, uh, I tend to be on the other side pushing back against criticism, not because I think he's great, but just because I think a lot of the criticism is unfair. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, you know, which is which is natural fan stuff in a lot of ways, and I can get caught up into it myself. Right. Uh, usually, usually other teams, if you want to talk about like uh, – well, you don't want to talk about soccer, but like I, I have managers <laughs> that I, that I irrationally dislike their decisions. I understand that that's a thing that people do. But I think – I don't know. Char- Charlie has been – for my in my opinion has been fine i think he wears a lot of stuff where people conveniently don't notice that like he's consulting with pete walker on all of these decisions yeah. and yet pete walker is still very well respected for for good reason but sure. but you know there's there's more to it than just charlie's out there making weird decisions and 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 uh and dragging them down in the standings it's i think that you know, that's it's for me. It's you think about John Gibbons and you think about how disliked he was when he didn't have a good team and how suddenly he was very well liked when his <laughs> team was good. And it's like that's the object of roster building is to manager proof your roster. Like you don't, you know, you want to take his toys away if he's if he's misusing his roster somehow and you want to just make it so that okay, if he needs if he thinks he needs to pinch hit somebody, you know, a good lefty off the bat that player should be there. And, you know, it's, it's the front office's job to, 
to make it so that he's not relying on his gut or intuition or you know whatever to to make these decisions or health or he's managing and I think is this another thing that the uh, is part of of the the disconnect I think and part of like why there's so much angst and anger about Charlie is that much like with Mark Shapiro earlier in his tenure you know he was managing or he was running the team towards a rebuild yeah. and doing things that fans didn't want the team to do they wanted to double down on you know Donaldson Batista that core yeah double a's spending spree let's keep doing that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he and, and shapiro you know wasn't that's not the job he was there to do no. he was there to do a different kind of job and you know there were lots of reasons why people didn't like shapiro or still don't i'm sure lots of people still don't <laughs> but uh, but i think especially it was vitriolic at the time because they, they wanted him to be doing something that wasn't his job and i think sometimes that get, happens with charlie as well where He's there to manage personalities and health and a bunch of other things that aren't just about winning today's game because it desperately needs to be won. You know, that's, you know, that's part of it, but the desperation isn't there for him because he has these other considerations where fans are just like, win the game. Like, right. why isn't Jordan Romano pitching every single inning, (laughs) which is just like, because he can't. Yeah. Well, and, and Charlie's one of those guys where, and this isn't necessarily even a criticism of the Blue Jays management that, but he is one of the poster childs across the league of this shift towards management, more running what's happening on the field and the manager just sort of being in place. And, and the Jays are, are certainly not the only team doing this. So it's not necessarily a criticism, but you can tell at times there are things that you know, maybe you and I would do that obviously the front office doesn't want to do and he knows that and he's sort of the the messenger for that strategy or or whatever you might want to to say. I, I'm with you on the fact that, you know, in terms of handling this this bullpen, it is. It's one landmine after another and, and so it's hard to criticize him for that. But I do think sometimes there are there are moments where fans forget, you know, he whether he necessarily loves this or not, he's probably doing a job that or this, this, you know, this, um, you could look back to the series against, uh, Tampa last year going into the playoffs and, and to think that he alone decided how they were going to line up the pitching staff or things like that. That's not really where the game is going or at least not where this organization is going. He's kind of just the face out in front of the wheels all turning behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But I think that, um, the flip side of that is that there are places where they give him leeway like allowing him to bunt a lot (laughs) (laughs) where, where, you know, where fans who even understanding that there are things that he is bound to do by the organization, seeing some of the places where he gets leeway and being like, well, what is he doing? (laughs) And and I think, I think that that sometimes reliever usage comes down to it. I know there's lots of times where we don't know who's available and who's not. And they don't tell us, which is, you know, not new, but it's definitely, tilting towards like teams just you know being like the nhl like it's an upper body lower body yes. like we're, we're not telling you anything uh i they feel that that's a competitive advantage somehow i don't see it but i guess it's not uh, it's not my job to see it well especially um, in baseball right like what is the yeah. advantage to if, if you say in football or something that that guy's ankle is messed up yeah in a scrum he might have his ankle 
yeah. whatever. In baseball, the guy can pitch or he can't. <laughs> like no one's coming yeah. out to slap him in the forearm or something. Like yeah, I, I think I, to me it goes back to like the BJ Ryan thing with JB Richardi, where it's like I, they sometimes just don't want the heat. They don't want to talk about. Yeah. But that, but even so, that's like. I don't know. You're doing Zoom calls now. It's not. Right. It's not quite the same. There's not like 15 people around your locker demanding to know whether you feel okay. Like right. It's, uh, but yeah, it's you know the Jays seem very happy with Charlie and and. Are you? I'm. I'm closer to indifferent than happy. Okay. But I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I, I'm not like they need to get rid of this guy. No. Okay. Uh, you know, if he lost the players, if it looked like the like if that was sort of a thing, that's you know that's a huge different story. But they seem to be. They, they clearly value, and this was a thing that when there was an argument on Twitter, as there always is, <laughs> uh, a lot of people were mad last week when the the non-call or the, the Lourdes Gurriel call against the Yankees where he flung through a pitch, didn't make contact, right? Uh, but the, the umpire called it a foul ball, and Montoya didn't explode on the umpire and, and you know, have a, have a hissy fit and performatively... You know, get himself tossed, which I even I think I I tweeted at the time. I'm like, get yourself tossed, Charlie. Like, I understand <laughs> that that was that's how everybody was kind of feeling, and he didn't. And people were like, this is you know, extremely mad that he wouldn't stand up for his players in that way. Right. But if you listen to everything the Blue Jays say, everything the front office says, like they want, they value his even keel. They value not just his, but a lot of guys. You know, he's the same guy. That's a Ross Atkins thing all the time. He's the same guy every day. You know, he's the same guy every day. He, he comes in, he wants to work, and he's, he wants to keep things positive, and he's not a, a moody freak, for like lack of a better term. <laughs> and, you know, and I don't think that was like a negative for John Gibbons or anything like that. I don't think that made his teams worse or better or whatever. But, like, I don't know. He's doing the thing that, that his bosses clearly say they value and partly brought him on to do. Like, that... Uh, and, you know, and, and that, like I was saying, like that, that to me reminds me of the disconnect with the, the Shapiro thing too. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like fans want him to be one thing. His bosses want him to be another thing. And he's doing this boss's thing. I don't know if that's like, I, I don't know why he has to take a ton of heat for that. Cause he's doing his job the way his bosses yeah. intend him to. Well, that's it's the, the other your, side of it. Your problem is with who they think yes. should be managing the team. Well, and that's it, right? Like when you talk about the fact that they don't tell us whether Romano is available or not, you're just sending Montoyo out to get roasted, right? Like he is yeah, going to have absolutely. to wear this by, well, which, which is the manager's job. Sure. In a lot of ways, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, what did you make of just, uh, before we started recording here, uh, it came out that, um, you know, Vladdy is, you know, excited to go to the all-star game, but isn't going to take part in, uh, in the home run derby. And, um, you know, there's been a long time theory that, that some guys get messed up there, right? It messes up their swing a little bit. And so I have no idea if that's true or not, but I do believe that, you know, I'm, I'm happy enough that I'm not going to risk it, right? Like that he's not going to, that it may mess yeah. up this sweet, uh, run that he's on. Um, do you buy into that theory at all? Did you have a take at all on him not wanting to, to get into the home run derby? I, you know, I don't really buy the theory. I know that I'm, I'm, you see people are like looking at splits or looking at here's the difference of, you know, how, you know, Alex Rios, I think was a big one. He <laughs> did very well in home run derby mm-hmm. in like 2009 or maybe before that. I forget when it was. Uh, and then was not good at, the, you know, for the rest of the season. And I, I think, you know, if you look at it, it was like, well, that's because Alex Rios was not that good <laughs> and got to the all star game by having a hot, like start to the year and mm-hmm. he kind of like just regressed to the mean. And I, I don't think that that was 
the curse of the home run derby. I, I don't, but I'll, but I would say, you know, I'm with you. I'm like, I'm like perfectly happy that he's not doing it. I think it would be really fun. You know, it's in Colorado. Yeah. Just watching him crush balls would be sure. great, but also like he hit 90 home runs. Like that's the, the you know, I, that's taken a lot out of you yeah. to do a thing like that. And I mean, He's like 22. I think he could probably withstand the rigors of doing that and then a couple of days later having to start playing baseball games again. But it's, the season is a grind. Uh, you know, it's not It's not about uh, – it's, it's you know, you're, you're not going to fatigue yourself just doing one thing, but it's just it all accumulates. Right. And, you know, if you can avoid of something that will aid, you know, increase that accumulation of things to mm-hmm. that ache that, that are, that fatigue you. Uh, that's probably fine. Like I, I have, I have no problem uh, with that at all. Um, but yeah, the, especially it being in Colorado, it would be fun. To it's watch, true. But, uh, I, I think that's going to be balls. would be flying out of that place. So that's... <laughs> As they do to get rid of the humidor. <laughs> For sure. Um... Hit them to the moon. Let's go. <laughs> um, and maybe, uh, you know, we sort of saw the one of the, the Blue Jays' top prospects is a catcher. His name is Gabriel Moreno, and um, he's hit, he's just dominating Double A right now. And we saw over the weekend them give him a start at third base. Now, my understanding is before he entered the Blue Jays' system, he'd played mostly shortstop before they moved him to catcher. I know that this isn't any sort of immediate. Um, you know, maybe this kid could solve the third base problem, but should we read anything into the fact that the Blue Jays haven't yet solved their third base problem and maybe, you know, they're looking at, you know, Austin Martin maybe turns out to be more of an outfielder. Like, is there anything at all to be read into? Why don't we just look at him here at third and see if in the years to come, he could be the guy, or is this just one of those things that happens in the minor leagues and, and we shouldn't read anything into what's happening at, uh, you know, around the big league team as, as to being part of this decision. Oh no, I think you should definitely read into, okay, yeah. into that. I think that, I think that's a thing. And I think that, you know, being more realistic, I think it's more about triple a and it's, I think that he's going to get moved up to triple a and that at some point there's going to be Riley Adams back in triple a, uh, maybe Danny Jansen, maybe Reese McGuire gets back, you know, Alejandro Kirk, there's, there's a log jam of catchers yep. and that's going to allow him to, uh, uh, just to continue to get reps. Like if he comes up, he's not going to have to sit or DH. He'll, but also, yeah, I, I, you know, he was 16 or whatever when, you know, the, when, when a prospect from, uh, from Latin America sciences, they're, they're, they're very young. So it's been a while. I mean, he's still really young himself, but, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it's not like he was playing big league caliber shortstop, but yeah, he has those. Yeah, and it's not Russell Martin at 35 deciding he's a shortstop. <laughs> yeah. And he's definitely, he's not a catcher. He's, he's, he is not built like Alejandro Kirk. Or like <laughs> a few Benji are. Molina, right. Like he, well, <laughs> very, very good point. But, but, uh, but there's also in the back of my mind, I'm like, I mean, what if it's that they think the bat is just so good that catcher is going to like ruin a really good bat, right. which is which is not out of the out of the you know that's maybe wish casting, but but like that's you know that's why that's why prospects move where they do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you you a guy who gets behind the plate, the reason the catchers don't hit very well is because the attrition rate of catchers is just so high yeah. that you don't send your best prospects back there unless you know it's a really special sort of situation. Um, and if they think, I mean, I think that obviously long-term Brochans, Martin, they've got, or Elvis Martinez, they've got, everybody's a shortstop at this point right. you know, when they're a prospect. Um, but if he can be one of those guys and you see them, they are third base 
slash catcher guys around. And if you can play third a little bit, still get reps behind the plate, still do all the catcher stuff. And then, you know, in a, if he if he is ahead of those guys and can get to the big leagues first, and that allows him to play in the big leagues, still be a catcher, produce value at the big league level, and then maybe next year, year and a half, when Austin Martin comes and he's maybe the third baseman, okay, then he then Moreno is just a catcher at this right. point. You know, there, there's less use for him there. Um, you, you know, think I don't there's think any this is necessarily we... the grand plan, but right. I think that like they definitely. But we might as well are, take a look, keeping that option open. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think there's any chance you're seeing him this year, or does that depend on where the Blue Jays sit in September? I would, you know, I would have said at the, at the start of the year, no, yeah. definitely not. And I don't know, but some of the prospect folks that I interact with and read uh, seem to think that there's a chance, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean he will, but. I mean, he's he's doing very well, and he's not, you know, he's out of nowhere in the uh, in sort of the wider industry. Like he hasn't been up at the top of top 100s or whatever. But he's a guy that I've heard about from people who talk to like Blue Jays people for a long time. Like right. they are, they have always been high on him. It, as Kirk and Jansen were ascending, they're like they think that the the team thinks the guy who's going to be their next great catcher is going to be Moreno. And we're start, you know, he never, you know, he was never at a high enough level, level where it mattered. He hadn't really quite put it together, and now we're seeing he's putting it together, yeah. and being the guy that they always kind of thought that he would be. Uh, and so that's really exciting, and that's why you're going to see him start, you know, rocketing up uh, those top 100s. But it, it, for for the Blue Jays themselves, as it, as the way it should be, uh, they've known for a long time that they have something pretty special there. Um, I want to talk about Vladdy for a second. Um, there's been a ton of talk. It's very early in the season, but uh, certainly with his offensive numbers, it's not crazy talk, but about, you know, the MVP race. And I've misplaced my note here, but one of the other guys in that race uh, is Shohei Otani. And last week, if I have this correctly, like I said, you'll forgive me if I'm a little off. I've lost my note here. Tuesday home run, Wednesday home run, Thursday six innings pitched, one, hit, uh, <laughs> one earned run against, yeah. um, and a win, obviously. And then a home run... Uh, two home runs, I think, Friday and a home run Saturday, home run Sunday. Um, I know pitchers have their own thing that often, you know, is supposed to take them out of the MVP race with the the Cy Young. If Shohei Otani continues this pace on both sides of the ball, if he's going to be like this as an everyday hitter and then a guy who can come in and and pitch as effectively as he has, is there any question at all that that is by definition the most valuable player to a team. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that there is. I mean, yeah, the Vlad's case sort of rests on like, did your team make the playoffs? Which, you know, in any other year, I would be like, well, how do you penalize a guy mm-hmm. whose team didn't make the playoffs? Whereas this time, I'd be like, yeah, obviously, Vlad's team's <laughs> made. But, but which, you know, I'm saying that thinking it's a month ago, where now it's still it's way up in the air whether right. the Jays can even make the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, what Otani's doing is, is, is spectacular and, and incredible. And, uh, it, it's a shame that he plays on a team and that Mike Trout plays Mike on a Trout. team that, uh, that just cannot seem to get it together in any possible way. Uh, but yeah, no, he's, you know, I, there is no shame to Vlad in <laughs> losing an MVP to Shohei Otani because that's just like, that's just generational talent. Like beyond that, like you just, that's just, you don't see I think Somebody you and I are. A, do those things. I think you and I are of similar vintage. I can't remember 
ever seeing anything like this, right? Like yeah. not in our lifetime, I don't think. No, certainly not. In, yeah, not in, not within baseball, you know, like I'm thinking of like a Bo Jackson sure, or, yeah. or a Deion Sanders or guys like, you know, like there are two sport guys yeah. who can do, but it's, but it's like that, it's like that level of like, how can you be, cause it's basically, it is two sports, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you're, you know, on the both sides of the ball are two completely different skill sets, completely different things to be elite at both of those things is just, it's just mind boggling. And, uh, and yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it, it, it's, it's it would absurd. be scary to think of like, what the, the angels could be with uh with a team around yes. him and trout um have you been surprised by by vlad i know there was a ton of hype coming up and you know maybe unfair what the expectations were when he came in maybe they weren't i i'd be interested in your opinion on that but certainly offensively he's taken off this year and really you know, the third base thing, it didn't work out. He was statistically speaking, objectively speaking, you know, perhaps the worst defending third baseman, um, in baseball, they move him over to first. Cause that's just where you put guys, right. And, and then he can DH a little and you can move people around a little bit, but he's become very, very good defensively at first base pretty quickly. Like he's, he's digging a lot of stuff out, which has been important for some of the things that have gone on on the other side of that infield. Um, mm-hmm. What's your level of, you know, surprise or, or, you know, whether you've been impressed or is this sort of what you expected that he would be? Uh, you know, I <laughs> I guess at one point I expected it and it seems like the, the expectations were reasonable. It just sort of took him a while to get mm-hmm. there, which probably shouldn't have surprised anybody, but it does still feel surprising. Um because, you know, uh, as much as you're like, oh, I believe in the talent that's there and all that stuff, it's like, you know, the first couple of years he didn't, he just didn't show that he was right. that guy. And especially to have watched guys like Tatis and Juan Soto being of the same sort of cohort, age cohort, mm-hmm. uh, come in and not have any trouble with big league pitching and, and just sort of go straight to superstardom. Uh, it was a concern. It wasn't like, you know, giving up on him kind of concern. But, you know, there were... At times, like, would you trade Rafael Devers for, for Vlad was, has been a question. <laughs> uh, and there were times where, where it's like, oh, I've always said, no, uh, like, I would I would want Vlad in that deal, right? Right. Uh, and there have been times where I questioned whether that was the correct choice. <laughs> uh, never, well, ne- while never going back on it, yep. because obviously that would be uh, – well, it'll be bad for business for one. <laughs> like, but, like, I, you know, you want to believe in him. And, and – you know, you just—it's—it's it's more rare, I think, for guys to get that kind of hype as prospects and not pan out. Like, right. I, yeah. I mean, I think that's right. I think sometimes these guys just—you know—even while you're watching their contemporaries take off right away, maybe not have the same struggles. Um, it can take a while sometimes, and uh, maybe Vladdy was just one of those. And even last year, right? Like we were—we've seen all the worm burners, right? Where he's hitting it hard, but they're always on the ground and. Um, you know, he got himself fit and he's getting the ball up in the air now and it's, you know, things look a lot different and, uh, the defense has come a long way and, you know, pretty good, right? All things considered, uh, pretty lucky we didn't trade him for a guy like, uh, like Raphael Devers. Um, I know we have to wrap this up quick. We only had a limited amount of time, so I'm going to do that right now. Don't want to keep you, um, if you want to check out Andrew's work, and you should, it's at thebatflip.ca. That's his substack, And you can also find the link, as I mentioned a while ago. Um, I really have been enjoying the uh, the Blue Jays Happy Hour podcast. That's every Friday afternoon, and the link for that is also at thebatflip.ca. All of these links we will share in the show notes. 
at tallcanaudio.com as well, or wherever you're listening right now. Uh, they should be there in the episode description. Um, in the meantime, we'll wind this one down. Um, I want to say thank you very much to, uh, to Andrew Stoughton. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew Stoughton. Uh, that'll be on our profile as well. So you can locate it. Uh, in the meantime, for Andrew Stoughton, my name is Matt Robinson, and we will catch you on the next episode of Talk and Audio. Now, y'all ain't got nothing else for me to drink. I'm a haul ass. No, I'm serious. I'm about to haul ass. If y'all have no better shit than this to drink. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.